don't stop Mike. Mike just if he misses, he misses. Um, that that's really how it is. I mean, you just you're there, you challenge, and you hope he misses. I mean, that's 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 just being honest. Uh, you you know, there's no better way to say it than that. Eric Strickland who played in the NBA for nine years out of Nebraska, defended Jordan, defended Kobe, defended LeBron. Who is the toughest to defend? Who's the GOAT? A man who guarded the GOATs, Eric Strickland, nine years as a very serviceable NBA defender with some classic stories on and off the court about Michael Jordan. One hour from now, 5 o'clock here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Over 20 minutes of an interview that just gets better and better as it goes along with Eric Strickland. We are looking forward to that as we look back to last night. Unlike Mark Oden, who cited his Celtics fandom as reason not to watch last night. Craig, I think most people we know, most people listening right now, it's, it, it, it's before the NFL draft. The biggest sporting event that's really happened since sports have been canceled nationally. And it was uh, get your popcorn ready TV last night. It was big, big numbers last night. In fact, the numbers are out. The first hour, uh, the first segment of The Last Dance garnered 6.1 million viewers. The second hour, which dealt a lot with uh, the Scottie Pippen aspect of uh, the Mm -hmm. Bulls back then, uh, drew 5.8 million viewers. And, And those two documentaries are, by no surprise, the two largest viewed documentaries uh, on the four-letter. It beat out the You Don't Know Bo documentary, which I saw again here just a a week or so ago. Oh, I I love Bo Jackson. Uh, That one was 3.6 million. So uh, almost a double of that for the number one episode in The Last Dance last night. Yeah, and those are two of my favorites because those were my absolute two favorite athletes on the planet growing up in those formative years where you're a boy and you love sports and you have your favorite teams and you have your favorite guys and my favorite guys just happen to be the best most outstanding phenomenal can't take your eyes off of them athletes of the 80s and 90s in sports and that was when i was age 8 to 18 michael jordan and bo jackson and the jordan thing delivered even though i kind of watched it last night going Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I lived this. I was a huge Bulls fan. I remember all this. It's, but there were some revealing things, and there were some things that I had forgotten about where I go, oh, wow. And so that's how we're going to treat Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down, at least to start it. We do it every week at about this time. We have some awesome audio in case you did miss it, like Mark Owen last night. I think if we would have had time, we would have told Mark, uh, Mark, I know you're a Celtics fan. Well, you might want to watch. This is one of the, this is the best basketball player of all time, and one of the best. Like I've said, just I mean best athletes. Period. Most popular. I mean, and sometimes it's just cliche, Craig, to remember how incredible Michael Jordan was. But you know, we we, we it bounced around, and we had some glimpses of of his days at Carolina and his days early with the Bulls and the testimonials that came from guys like Johnson and Bird and Bobby Knight, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like it. And I hope those who are under 30 and didn't get to see Jordan and will just arbitrarily say, LeBron's better, Kobe's better, because they didn't see Jordan as prime in the way the NBA was back then, how physical it was. 
As Eric Strickland is going to say in his interview with us, just how many Hall of Famers Jordan had to take down year after year in the playoffs. Uh, it's it's a great educational tool, and it leads off thumbs up, thumbs down, Craig. Uh, because someone, some team, some sports issue, they deserve a pat on the back for a job well done, or maybe it's a kick in the keister. That's why we call it Craig and John's thumbs up, thumbs down. The first two episodes of this ten-part documentary, again, uh, it proved if you forgot that it wasn't all sun and roses and everything smelling fine uh, with this with this huge team that that ran ran the NBA. Uh, a lot of it came from management. <laughs> a lot of it came from management with Kraus and Reinsdorf. But all of the struggles that went on behind the scenes. Um, it was a great reminder. It's a great documentary, yeah. and I hope people get a chance to see it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it last night. And and uh, the one that I had either had forgotten about or didn't know was the, the point when Jordan was a rookie, and it was a preseason game. I think they were in Peoria, Illinois. I, I got, and he knocked down the door oh, looking the, for his, his players. <laughs> I got the story. You uh, want to hear it? I got and it. In this one, he basically threw everybody under the bus. Yeah, I mean, in that documentary. Th- th- my very first thumbs up of, of this documentary last night was just, it, it, it all goes to Michael Jordan. You could not make this documentary without him. And he's a focal point of the interviews. And you understand right away, first and foremost, the Bulls were about Jordan and his dominance and his greatness and what made him great and you learned all about it from those who coached him in high school his parents his Roy Williams and Dean Smith at Carolina and the and the people that brought him into the Bulls when he was a rookie in 84 and how he filled up Chicago Stadium which the Bulls were so bad they were getting outdrawn by the pro soccer team there and within weeks of him joining the Bulls he was so captivating right off the bat they were selling the place out I mean it was just he, him, himself, the hottest ticket in town. But it was Michael Jordan and a bunch of nobodies. What people forget is it took seven NBA seasons for Michael Jordan to win an NBA title. And the Bulls did have to build with different head coaches and Jerry Krause uh, drafting or taking in different players. But at the beginning, Craig, you were right. The Bulls were a joke. And here is Michael Jordan, the second Jordan thumbs up beyond just how amazing he was as a player and this documentary certainly highlighting that right from the get-go even though we all knew it was how accessible and revealing Jordan was because you it's great to watch these highlights and hear these testimonials but we already know he was great we want to learn things and hear stories that we haven't heard that we didn't know and here's Michael Jordan what Craig was referring to one of the articles I read, they called it the most traveling cocaine circus. <laughs> okay, if you didn't understand that, by the way, it was the interviewer saying Michael Jordan, telling Michael Jordan that the Bulls before he got there were, were known as the traveling cocaine circus. And it's just awesome to hear Michael Jordan gut laugh like that. This guy doesn't do very many interviews. He's still an owner of the Charlotte Bobcats, but he's almost untouchable when it comes to interviews. And it's almost seemed like he's been an enigma for 20 years and kind of a jerk and kind of aloof. And to hear him laugh, to see him have a glass of whatever that was next to an old-fashioned, the bourbon, whatever, just having some drinks and telling some stories. And this is, this is the big highlight of the whole thing. 
I never read that. <laughs> the traveling cocaine circus. Accurate. Ah, uh, look, guys were doing things that I didn't see. I had one event preseason. I think we were in Peoria. It's in a hotel. So I'm trying to find my teammates. So I start knocking on doors. I get to this one door, and I knock on the door, and I can hear someone says, shh, someone's outside. And then you hear this deep voice says, who is it? I says, MJ. Uh, and then they all said, oh, he's just a rookie. Don't worry about it. So they open up the door. I walk in, and uh, practically the whole team was in there. And it was like things I've never seen in my life, you know, as, as a young kid. You got all, you got your lines over here. You got your weed smokers over here. You got your women over here. So the first thing I said, look, man, you know, I'm out, you know, because all I can think about is if they come and raid this place right about now, I am just as guilty as everybody else has had that's in this room. And from that point on, you know, I was more or less on my own. Yeah, that was the probably probably the best part for most people about the Michael Jordan documentary last night. Thumbs up, thumbs down, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. Thumbs up, thumbs down from the Bulls 90s documentary. Craig, do you have any more written down? Uh, you know, the second hour last night dealt more with Scottie Pippen and the way he kind of took it to management because oh, I understood his his reasoning for signing a nine-year contract, or was it a seven-year? Seven-year or a nine-year contract, and it, it paid him peanuts. But he said, you know what, I was afraid uh, not to do it because I wanted to make sure that I had enough so I could support my family. And here's a guy that was making $2 million, $2.8 million a year. He's the number two guy in the Bulls. Jordan's making $33 million. He's the, like the fifth highest scoring guy in the Bulls, and um, he, he he said, you know what? I decided that one year I'm going to have surgery right before the season. Yeah. I mean, there were some great stories um, where that is going and what was going on behind the scenes. Mm. And next week we uh, get uh, a lot of uh, a good a good dose of a guy who uh, was crazy on that team, Dennis Rodman. So yeah. I'm sure th- those oh. numbers will do uh, just as crazy coming up. It, it, I had forgotten that Pippen was in, played in the NAIA. I had forgotten. Central Arkansas, he, yeah. He was a, a big NAIA guy and where he came. And it, it was just, a, it was great, refreshing. And, uh, you know, I love documentaries with history like that. And so I had a good time with that. Last yeah, time. and a lot of these documentaries are, uh, well, it used to be, you know, the standard autobiography or documentary kind of goes birth, childhood, high school, college, pro. you know, it's completely chronological. This all anchors around the last Jordan Bulls team in 97-98 when they went for their sixth title. And so it kind of starts and always goes back to there. But like a lot of documentaries, especially these sports documentaries now, and I like this style, Craig, they won't start from the beginning, but they will still go back to the beginning. Then they'll go back to where the documentary started, back to the 97-98 team that had all the footage. And, okay, let's go back to high school and, and let's go back to his childhood where we learn about how his brother beat him up. Uh, if Michael Jordan beat his older brother Larry one-on-one, then Larry was going to beat him up afterward. That, that's what Michael Jordan knew. It was hard enough to beat your older brother, who was really good, who also appeared to be his father's favorite. Like, his father loved Larry, wouldn't give Michael, who's one of the younger kids of the five, any of his time. 
And so he was kind of mentally tormented, and of course it made him mentally stronger. And as we learned later on in his career, when he just even still has that chip on his shoulder after everything he accomplished. Um, but I, li- I kind of like the way it bounced around like that instead of going in an absolute straight line. And as you've mentioned, the owner of the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, and the general manager, Jerry Krause. You talk about the big loser of, <laughs> of week one of this documentary, the guy who's clearly the villain. You know, tell me if you disagree, is Jerry Krause, the GM, who does deserve credit and was given proper credit in the in this series last night for turning the Bulls from that traveling cocaine circus with Michael Jordan to gutting the roster and uh, finding Scottie Pippen and uh, trading him a uh, draft night for some guy named Olin Polonese and no one had heard of Scottie Pippen. He found a diamond in the rough and the guy that Jordan needed as his running mate for a decade and for six titles and that was Jerry Krause. That was a hit. And he also found Horace Grant and uh Eventually traded for Dennis Rodman and a bunch of other guys. But he, as Steve Kerr said, who played for the Bulls for their last three titles, the coach of the Warriors now said Jerry Krause could not get out of his, out of his own way. And, Craig, it, it took me back to being a Bulls fan. I was about 20 years old when Jordan hit that shot against Utah, sixth and final title. We had known all year long that it was Jerry Krause, the GM's decision, to break up the Bulls. To tell Phil Jackson, you could go 82-0 and this year, we're done with you. This is your last year. And that this was it for Jordan. He was going to retire. Of course, he didn't. He came back with the Wizards a couple years later. But, man, does Jerry Krause look like a, <laughs> a lot of things in this documentary. But in particular, for thinking, I'm not getting enough credit for building this team. It's all Phil. It's all Michael. And so I'm going to prove everybody wrong, or I'm going to prove who I am at least, and just say goodbye to Phil, say say goodbye to the greatest coach and the greatest player of all time, and Scottie Pippen, and do this with Tim Floyd out of Iowa State. And Craig, i got to tell you, as a guy who was a Bulls fan, you know, for well over 10 years at that point in my life, and how devastated and upset I was that Jerry Krause was doing this, and how that, that was basically it for me as a Bulls fan. You cannot be tested anymore as a fan. Sure, you can be a fan of a team that's just awful your whole life, or like the Vikings who just break your heart all the time. I was spoiled. I got to watch six titles. But to watch a GM just insist, no, this is getting old, this is getting stale, let's start anew. And it was just the it was the abyss. The, the Bulls went into some other netherworld after that where they basically didn't exist to anybody. And I don't know about you, if you would have roughed it out as a fan, but I jumped ship because I'm like, what's there to cheer for now? There is no MJ. There is no Phil. There aren't any good players. The coach is an experiment, and he turned out to win like 20% of his games. It was a massive flop. People flocked to the United Center, and it was all because Jerry Krause just decided he's got to show show us who's boss. So Jerry Krause is kind of a big thumbs down, and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, for not stopping all of that, that's a big thumbs down. And another story I truly enjoyed from that, when you talk about behind the scenes with the front office and the players and how much they hated each other and how much Jordan didn't like him for most of his career, was in his second year, it was either, I think it was, it was either his rookie year or his second year, they're playing the Pacers, he had had a foot injury, and it was his second year, had a foot injury early. They monitored and they kept down his playing time because of the long-term investment on him and his foot. They gave him a time limit for every game. <laughs> like seven minutes per half, 
And in one late season game, you know, they want a lottery pick. They want they don't want the Bulls to make the playoff. The management does. That didn't jive with MJ. And with 30 seconds remaining in a game, the Bulls are down one. The the Jerry Krause had hit the stopwatch and had supposedly come down and told the head coach Stan Ulbeck, uh-uh, we're done. He, he we're out of time with Jordan. He can't play these last 30 seconds. And even though John Paxson went in and hit a, the game-winning shot, that stuck with Jordan. And the great line from all this from Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, was he told Michael, you have a 10, you know, he said, this is a big risk. This is a long-term investment. And Michael Jordan w- wanted to play. And there, there was only a 10% chance that he could re-aggravate or re-injure the foot. And Jerry Reinsdorf said, okay, well, let me ask you this. You have a massive headache, and I give you a bottle of pills. You have these migraines. And 90% of the pills will work, but 10% of them will kill you. Nine of them will work. One of them will kill you if you take 10 pills. And Jordan said, he said, what, what would you do then? And Jordan said, it depends how bad the headache is. <laughs> so uh, a lot of thumbs up for that documentary and the stories that were told that I hadn't heard. Any other thumbs up, thumbs down from you? Um, I'm giving a thumbs up to some transfers uh, when it comes to uh, college basketball. SDSU men, um, you know what? They're loaded already next year. Uh, but they get a, a transfer from Nebraska, Charlie Easley, and also Yankton's Cooper Corneman has said he is verbaled. Uh, he's going to go play up at uh, South Dakota State. And then USD gets a, a former Rapid City Stevens standout. Marcus Archambault, he's been out at Gillette College, uh, and he is going to be uh, transferring to USD for the men's basketball program. So a couple of names that you may remember seeing in high school across the state as they are uh, coming to play for either the Jacks or the Coyotes. Yeah, very good deal. Um, I, I'm basically very Jordan and Bulls-centric uh, here on this one, so... That about does it. I, I, you know, and another thumbs up for this documentary are, are the testimonials in it about Michael Jordan, and also um, Dick Bremer had a story about Michael Jordan. Uh, this is the Twins play-by-play announcer, so this was probably in the early years of the Timberwolves. Dick Bremer, Bremer said he had a front-row seat to uh, to. Uh, particular game with Michael Jordan. He said, I saw Michael Jordan once. I had courtside tickets under the basket. Jordan made an anatomically impossible layup that made me lean back in my chair in disbelief. I leaned back down to see Jordan looking directly at me, smiling two feet away as he just shrugged his shoulders. (laughs) So that was a great... I mean, everybody's telling these Jordan stories on Twitter. Kate Johnson, who plays football at uh, SDSU... Um, and is 22 years old, he even tweeted last night that, he, indeed, the kind of the category I was talking about earlier today, that didn't see Jordan as prime and now get an understanding. His new, he said he has a newfound respect for Michael Jordan. J.J. Watt um, had, a, had a tweet about this today as well that I found, uh, found entertaining. Magic Johnson said he it tweeted that he enjoyed every second of watching it back, and he was a part of it last night, and he said uh, that, uh, this, that you're learning why Michael Jordan was the goat, goat emoji. And J.J. Watt said, Dean Smith telling Michael Jordan to go pro because that's what was best for him instead of him telling him to stay, which would have been best for Dean Smith. That's a coach you want to play for. So that's J.J. Watt, a, you know, a, a skull-crushing pass rusher in the NFL, a mega superstar. 
And that was his, that was his takeaway, Craig. So it's the, just these takeaways and stories that all stem from this thing from from last night that most of the sports world watched and but different sectors of people. What are they all saying about it? But we we have a pretty good guest at five o'clock. Eric Strickland, nine years in the NBA, the tail end of Jordan's career, guarded Jordan when Michael was both with those Bulls, 96 to 98, and then guarded Jordan when he was with the Wizards, but also guarded a young and then in-prime Kobe Bryant and a young LeBron James. I mean, a guy who can say he guarded all three of those guys and can tell you, at least from his perspective, who's the best. You do not want to miss that interview at 5 o'clock. In the meantime, we have some NFL draft to chat with Curtis Riggs, our football digs with the head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm, our last one before Thursday's NFL draft. If the Vikings should go wide receiver, which is a sentiment I'm hearing more of, if the Vikings should go after left tackle Trent Williams in a trade with Washington, which we're hearing more of, and also which teams might or should trade up, perhaps to get Tua or not. It's Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Follow the show. Respond to the show. Vote in our polls and get the latest sports news on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash KWSN Sports.